0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 13th, 2023. Road trip, Joseph. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Can we give God a hand for the day he's given us? Isn't this just an awesome day to be part of God's kingdom? Amen? How about you at home? Amen? Amen. Yeah, right on, right on. So welcome to week two, road trip. This uh, morning we're focused on a person whose story takes up, let me think, 13 out of 50. Man, that's about a quarter of the book of Genesis. This one guy, uh, uh, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, Well, he was a shepherd. He was enslaved. He was uh, convicted he was a ruler his parents were jacob and rachel had 11 other brothers had a sister he was next to the youngest in his family and his name was joseph joseph
1: good morning connection church it's so good to see everybody i said we were worshiping i you know man those songs were just a mention of his name and I was just back there kind of dancing and I whispered to Barry and it's like I can't believe like this is our job we get to do this this is so awesome because you are awesome and we get to do this together as we connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers my name's Carrie Jones I'm
0: Alan Jones
1: and we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would you pray with us please Almighty God, we thank you so much for today, an opportunity to worship and praise you, an opportunity to have some introspection about who we are and whose we are and who you are. Lord, settle us in so that we can hear about Joseph. This is a story that many of us know, but some of us might not. And show us something, Lord, by your Holy Spirit that we can take and apply to our lives. We thank you for the opportunity to share the word found in scripture, to be a part of this incredible church, and to um, just worship your holy name. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Amen. So uh,
0: we want to just take a moment here to talk about favored children. Now that's funny because I saw somebody over here go. You know, mom and dad's favorite. Do we have any here this morning? See how many will admit it. Look, nobody admits it, but you know a third of the room are the favorites. Uh, my sisters claim that I was my mom's favorite. I disagree. I don't think she had a favorite, but that's why on occasion they'd call me Mr. Goldentail.
1: Well, they actually had a different name for it, but, but we he can't use that in
0: church. In reference to my supposed favorite status, it's funny that they thought that because I never felt that. I mean, mom was not warm and fuzzy.
1: (laughs) He married an
0: opposite. Not very, not very emotional. Even if I was the favorite. He married an opposite. (laughs) Even if I was the favorite, I I don't know what what good it did me. (laughs) Mom was as tough on me as either of my sisters, but... But that's their story and they're sticking to it, you know?
1: So I'm the oldest of five. Researchers at the University of Illinois used a sample of 377,000 children, school children, and found that there were differences in personality traits with the eldest sibling tending to be more extroverted, more agreeable, and conscientious got to follow the rules these rule follower first children oldest children typically feel like they have a little more responsibility than the others
0: your oldest daughter i know i'm trying
1: saying. i'm trying to not look at aaron right now but you are a great oldest
0: she's on the checklist Yep.
1: Yep. 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 they often grow up overseeing the youngsters and consequently They are put in charge, and sometimes they continue to try to be in charge the rest of their lives. Yeah, some of this definitely describes me, but I never felt like I was the favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So, in the scripture, we are looking at today, we find a young man, his name's Joseph, who certainly found favored status Genesis 37 verses 3 and 4 now Israel that was Jacob remember he got a new name we talked about that last week now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them they hated him and could not speak a word to him.
0: So there it is, right there in Genesis 37:3. Israel, the former Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. He also loved Joseph's mother, Rachel more than his other wife, Leah, like we talked about last week, Rachel's sister. And Israel played favorites. He didn't keep it hidden. Everyone knew it, everyone. Was no secret he didn't even try to hide that's why he made joseph a special ornate robe heck mom never made me a special ornate robe if i was the favorite although she did knit me a really nice sweater one time but anyway so here we have joseph and the coat of many on broadway they call it joseph and the technicolor dream coat yeah Th- this robe made the favoritism even more pronounced. You couldn't pretend it wasn't there. To the point where Joseph's brothers hated him. They hated him. They couldn't even speak a kind word to him. Maybe you were part of a family where they played favorites. Maybe not. Either way, that's the family Joseph was a part of.
1: So... We'll call him Joey because he was little at this point. And he was cute. Yeah. He couldn't help himself with what happened next. He had some dreams that were prophetic in nature. That meant that he had a glimpse of the future, and he shared them with his brothers. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here, (laughs) but... It seems that Joseph just couldn't wait to share these dreams with his brothers, to get under his brother's skin, to kind of push at them. You know what that means, that little sibling just kind of pushing punk. the buttons. We call him yeah. punk, yeah. Yeah. It didn't help that they already hated him. That's what scripture says, for what his father did. But Joseph did not help himself mm. either.
0: And I think uh, Joey was about seven. He wasn't a little kid. He was like 17 at the time. And so here we pick it up, Genesis 37, 5 to 11. This is the new international version. Joseph said to them, listen to this dream I had. You guys hear this cocky kid, man. Just listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Ooh. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? I mean, this, some of his brothers are like grown men at this point. You Reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. i bet they can't wait. Um, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. he told his father as well as his brothers. You see, the sun and the moon represent mom and dad. (laughs) His father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to you, to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind.
1: Well, the plot thickens. Dad sends Joe to make sure all is well with his brothers out in the field. They were out working. He was at home, and Dad says, go out and check on your brothers. Well, I'm sure the brothers love that, you know, the little brother coming to check on them. So a little side note here. When Joseph got to where they were supposed to be, they were supposed to be in an area called Shechem, they weren't there. They had moved on. And so a man told them that they had moved on to Dotham. Dotham was 13 miles away from Shechem. 13 miles. And so can you imagine like going from here to Delaware City on foot with a flock? That's what we're dealing with here. (laughs) Anyway,
0: when the brothers see him this is how bad it was. They planned to kill him. Now you may have had differences with your siblings, but I hope none of you plan to kill them, <laughs> but that's what they plan and, and and instead though, rather than killing him, they send him on a road trip. And they, they sell him to some, sell their brother to some Midianite merchants heading for Egypt, and they strip him of his robe. <laughs> They slaughter a goat, dip the robe in in the goat's blood, and they take it to dad saying some ferocious animal had devoured their brother. Can you imagine? And and, and Jacob, whose new name was Israel, was beyond despair. You can imagine, this is his favorite boy. I mean, this was his absolute favorite. And now this kid's gone, or so Jacob thought. And while all this was going on, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. Can you imagine being so filled with hatred for a sibling that you would even contemplate such a thing, let alone do it? But that's what they did. That's what we read.
1: Well, Hmm. Joseph was favored. He had favor. And so that favor continues Genesis 39 verses 2 through 7. The Lord was with Joseph, that's the favor, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, Potiphar's eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Wow. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph, this is kind of a weird statement now. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Hello. (laughs) And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me.
0: So, so the road trip, <laughs> we're not there, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the road trip for a while was pretty good for Joseph once he got to Egypt. I mean, God blessed Potiphar's household because of him. But just because the Lord favors and blesses us, it doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted and that things might not go wrong. Sometimes it seems the closer we get to God, the harder Satan uh, fights to try to keep us. You know what I'm saying here? Maybe you've felt that at times. I know I have. In Joseph's case, Potiphar's wife was the temptress. And she had her sights set on Joseph and she was relentless. Day after day after day. And she wasn't just flirting. <laughs> she, she was bold telling him just what she wanted. And he said no time and time again. He did all he could to avoid her advances. One day she grabbed his cloak and, and once again pursuing him. And he ran out of the house leaving the cloak in her hand. He ran out naked. Well... To say she was humiliated would be an understatement. To say she was angry would be far from the truth. I mean, far short of what she was. She was totally angry, totally humiliated, and decided to destroy him. And so she shared with the servants and with her husband uh, uh, that, that Joseph had come on to her. And, and, and uh, Joseph was thrown in prison. But history repeated itself. History repeated itself. The Lord showed Joseph kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden who put Joseph in charge of the inmates. Once again, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did.
1: Well, sometime later, Joseph interpreted dreams of Pharaoh's imprisoned cupbearer and the baker. Joseph told the cupbearer that in three days Pharaoh would release him, would let him go, would return him to his position as cupbearer. Now Joseph asked this cupbearer to remember him, to show kindness to him, to the Pharaoh when he was released. Now Joseph told the baker <laughs> that in three days Potiphar Would take off his head and impale his body on a pole. Can you imagine hearing that news? The third day, it was Pharaoh's birthday. And in the presence of his officials, he did restore the cupbearer, but he impaled the baker, just as Joseph had interpreted. But the cupbearer did not remember him. And so Joseph was forgotten and remained imprisoned as his road trip continued to take an unfortunate detour.
0: Two years later, two years later, Pharaoh had two dreams that none of his court, none of his magicians, none of his, uh, you know, guys who were supposed to do this kind of thing, none of them could interpret. And it was at this point the cupbearer remembered Joseph. And, and 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 so he shared that with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh called for Joseph, and Joseph interpreted the dreams by sharing that the country was in seven years of abundance currently, but seven years of famine were coming, and they needed to start stockpiling from the current surplus. And Pharaoh put Joseph in charge. He he made him. The second most powerful person in Egypt. And Egypt was lo- most, like the most powerful country in the area. Second, most, second in charge since God had made all this known to him, Joseph, giving him discernment and wisdom.
1: And Joseph was just 30 years old. 30 years old. And he traveled throughout Egypt as Pharaoh's right-hand person. Wow. Now, during the seven years of abundance, Joseph had this plan. He collected a lot of food produced, and he stored it in the cities. There was an abundance of food, and so he took the abundance and he had it stored. So much was stored that Joseph and all of Joseph's people, they could stop even keeping records of how much was stored. But after seven years, part two, the famine began. Picking it up at Genesis 41, when the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere.
0: All the world came to buy grain from Joseph and that included ten sons of Jacob. The eleventh, the youngest, Benjamin, didn't go. He stayed home. But when, when Joseph saw his brothers, he instantly recognized them. But they didn't recognize him. <laughs> How ironic that they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Kind of reminds you of that dream he had, doesn't it? With the sheaves. Bowed down, faces to the ground. Same guy who years before... They got rid of by selling him into slavery. Mm. And so, he didn't uh, let them know who he was at first. The first thing he did was accuse them of being spies. (laughs) He told them to send one brother home to bring the younger brother, Benjamin, back. The rest would be held in prison. And when Benjamin was brought back to Joseph, Joseph was overcome with emotion, with weeping. They still did not recognize him.
1: Joseph continued to maybe play some games, check out where their brothers kind of were at this point in their lives. And he did things like he hid a silver cup in Benjamin's bag, so it appeared that he had stolen it saying that the world, that he would enslave Benjamin for the crime. Now, Judah was one of the brothers. He was an older brother, and he negotiated to take Benjamin's place. Benjamin was now dad's favorite, and Judah was kind of broken up over all this, and so he said, you know, let me take Benjamin's place. Let me be your slave in order to alleviate his father's misery over the loss of this other favored son. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence.
0: You know, just a side note, it's really interesting how even though Joseph and now Benjamin were father's favorite, this uh, Judah is so concerned about his father's well-being, his father's emotional state. Where was father, he the
1: oldest child?
0: Uh, no, but um, he kind of took charge. Uh, yeah. Reuben was the oldest. But he really cared, even though he wasn't the favored, for what was emotionally going on yeah. with dad because of all this. It's interesting. And so it says, because they were terrified at his presence. I guess they were terrified after what they'd done to him. What do you think? Although his brothers had been unfaithful to Joseph, he graciously forgave them and shared his prosperity. Joseph told them they should not be distressed or angry with themselves because it was to save lives that God had sent him ahead of them. It was not them who had sent him, but God. And when this news reached Pharaoh, he told them to take their carts from Egypt for their children and wives and get their father to come on down. They didn't even need to bring their belongings. The best of Egypt was just waiting for them. And that's what they did. The road trip continues, but this time it shows his family hitting the road rather than him. The whole family moved to an area called Goshen, which was near where Joseph was living. It's a region that was rich and plentiful.
1: So years later, I mean, we're covering 13 chapters in Genesis. Years later, when Jacob died, Jacob's dad, the brothers still wondered if Joseph would hold a grudge against them. Even though Joseph had said this, they still were concerned. They were a little bit afraid now that their dad was no longer alive. (laughs) Things change. And they sent word to Joseph saying that, their dad had left instructions to, <laughs> for Joseph to forgive his brothers for the sins and wrongs they had committed in treating them so badly. When Joseph read this, he wept. The brothers came and threw themselves down, just like the dream said, threw his brothers down before him, saying, We are your slaves.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, this kid Joseph, he's not a kid anymore. He's the second most powerful guy, basically, in the world at this point. Second most powerful guy. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done The saving of many lives. What you intended for harm, God intended for good. Isn't that a great line? What you intended for harm, God intended for good. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them.
1: The road trip. This road trip has taken Joseph a long way from that cocky 17-year-old we met in chapter 37 to a very wise man of God. It's been a valuable road trip for him. A lot of interesting stops along the way, including being sold into slavery and imprisoned for several years. He learned a lot about himself. He learned a lot about others. And he especially learned a lot about God and experienced God caring for him throughout it all. And he's able to look back down the road. Sometimes when we look at the road that we've walked or come through, you can see things a little different. He was able to look in retrospect at how God cared for him through his pain and through his suffering and through all of his challenge. Throughout, Joseph honored God. He never, We never read where Joseph said, I got enough of you, God. This is like a too hard. He honored God and the Lord honored Joseph. And in the end... He realized, as Alan said, that what others intended for harm, God intended for good. Mm. God does the same for us. What may feel harmful, God can use for good. Mm.
0: So writing this message this week, you know, try to figure out, okay, how does this, what about us? What's that have to do with me? What's it have to do with us? And. And I gave some careful consideration, and I don't think my story really includes someone doing me harm, especially to the extent that Joseph was harmed. So I think, so, so what can I glean from this? So I get to thinking about that God, uh, it does include disappointment that God used for good. I'm thinking back, we lived in Seaford for like 24 years, I went down there to take a a teaching job, uh, secondary English, high school English. And I was at the sec- end of my second year, I think it was summertime, and I saw that the University of Delaware was creating something called an English Language Institute and they were looking for people to hire. Well, I had um, all the coursework done on a d- master's degree in linguistics. I- linguistics I find fascinating, language, and I thought, English Language Institute, that. And I could put that study to good use, and it sounded really interesting. So I went up to Newark, and I, I talked to the professor uh, in charge who happened I'd had as a professor back when I was an undergrad. And, and we talked for a while, and, and it ended up him saying, you know, Alan, I think you would be best served to stay right where you are. You're starting your third year. Your third year is when you get tenure. Uh, tenure, I don't know if it's still like but tenure is where you kind of, a, a, as a teacher, you're kind of assured of a job. You know, it's, you're past that rookie stage and you're pretty assured of a job with tenure. And he said, I think that's where you ought to stay. And I, I was really disappointed. I mean, I saw that he was trying to look out for my long-term benefit, you know, security rather than what might or may not happen with his, But I was really disappointed because I thought that would be a really fun thing to do, that job in Newark, and um, I couldn't see at that point what God could see. You see what I'm saying? Well, I'm looking here, and God was looking out there, because two years later, I, and in my fourth year, I left teaching, <laughs> and I joined the Prudential for 14 years, and during that time, I got more involved in church. I get ever closer to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, uh, ever closer to surrendering all of me to Jesus. Ever closer to uh, going into ministry. And if I'd moved to Newark, I don't know.
1: That church was instrumental. Absolutely,
0: uh, that church, in those people, growth. my relation—you know—all that went on, and moved that whole thing. Who knows how that whole story would have changed? Um, Uh, Well, you know, what the professor had intended for my professional security, God used for my call to ministry. You just never know, do you? You never know.
1: So perhaps there's a part of Joseph's story that you can identify with. He was betrayed by family. He was deserted. Some of us may have experienced that. He was exposed to sexual temptation and punished for doing the right thing. He was in prison. He was forgotten. And in each case, Joseph didn't spend too much time uh, asking why, but we say, okay, what should we do now? That's what, what should I do now? He remained focused on God. And the people around Joseph noticed that. They noticed his focus on God. And in each of his dark situations, God was with him. And again, people saw that.
0: In the years following Joseph's life, and I'm talking long, many years, the, the people moved further and further from God, moved away from God. In the fullness of time, that means in God's perfect time, God did something radical. Radical. He sent his son, Jesus. He, he, he sent love in the flesh so that we would know the depth, the width, the breadth, the height of his love. So that you, uh, for you, I don't know what you've just come through. Don't know what's ahead. Don't know what you're dealing with in your current season. What we do know is this. God is with you. God loves you. And, and God can use whatever is going on, even if it's not that good, even if it's bad, God can use it for good. And it may not be obvious right now, just like for me back when I was applying for that job at UD, but looking back, it might be very obvious what was going on. But here's what you know. Trust that God is who he says he is. Because in the end, he's the pain taker. (laughs) Uh, That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's all that really matters, isn't it? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all that really matters. He's the pain taker. He's the way maker. He's the great physician he's the chain breaker <laughs> trust your road trip to jesus amen amen
1: let's pray almighty god waymaker chain breaker great physician lover of our souls the rock the redeemer The way, the truth, the life, Alpha, Omega, first, last, beginning, end. Omnipotent, omnipresent. That's who you are. And I could go on and on with who you are, Lord. You make a way for us when there seems to be no way. You care for us even if we don't feel like we're being cared for. There is nothing that can break relationship with you you love us so much that you put your son on a road trip for us all the way to the cross he willingly gave himself up so that we could be released from the chains from our own imprisonment and be free thank you Lord Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church. Connecting people to Jesus and the new life He offers.